Appreciate it. All right, guys, let's do this. All right, so I'm going to take a spin because, you know, I don't know, for, what, for whatever reason, sometimes number two is a little bit more comfortable. You know, I'm a little bit more laid back. It's almost like you practiced already and you're ready to come back in again. Um, but I, I, last week we talked about covenantal language, you know, the language of heaven, language of heaven and earth, right? The, the, the covenantal language that becomes the language that we should be using now uh, with even each other, not just with God. Covenantal language should be like the cross, vertical and horizontal. Um, back in the days, they didn't have uh, the, the area of signing stuff. It was a matter of your word. And you shook hands, and it was a covenant that was made. Those covenants are powerful. They're supposed to be. So both Genesis and John employ covenantal language. In Genesis, God establishes a covenant with Noah after the flood. This I already told you all last week. But now I want to get into literary genre and historical context. Literary genre. We're going to talk about both in the old, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I'm going to start with John today. I'm going to usually I start with, with, with Genesis today. I'm going to start with John. As you guys know, John has seven miracles. Seven miracles in comparison to all the 33 registered miracles, only seven of them are found in the book of John. Again, 33 registered miracles, only seven found in the book of John. Those seven, five of them are only found in John. And two of them are found in the other books as well. Of the seven those five, which I named it before, let me do it again. The first one was the water to wine, that was that's only found in John. That's the wedding in Cana. Number two was the healing of the official son, only found in the book of John. And it, some people try to compare it to the, the, the to Mark chapter seven, or no, Luke chapter seven, uh, which speaks of the uh, centurion. This is not the centurion. The official son, the centurion's slave, are two different people. And two different events. Then you have the uh, the lame man by the pool of Bethesda. Number three, the pool of Bethesda. That miracle is unique to John. This man was uh, paralyzed for 38 years. That's a long time to be paralyzed. You become angry at the whole entire world. You don't care about no one. You just become very angry. That's why Jesus said, sin no more or something worse could happen to you. It wasn't because of his movements. It was because of what was going on inside his heart. Sometimes our bitterness is what's keeping us paralyzed. When you're bitter, when you're angry, that, that enslaves you. That makes you, that locks you into a place where you're not functional. Um, the next one was the, uh, the healing of the blind man. This blind man was not the same blind man in Mark 8.22. This blind man of John chapter 9 was born blind. In Mark 8, 22, the man was not born blind. How do we know? Because he said, I see men as trees. Anybody, when they're healed, that say they see men as trees is because they've seen trees before. So he, see, he saw men as trees. In John 9, the man was born blind. He could not see, and Jesus made that clear. And last but not least, of, the, of those five miracles, was the, um, 
the resurrection of Lazarus. The resurrection of Lazarus. John has a good picture of that relationship. Even though Luke kind of talks about it a little bit in Luke chapter 10. But, but the, the connection of Jesus with Lazarus and his sister Martha and Mary. That you could tell they were childhood friends. And you could tell that Jesus had an affinity towards Lazarus. And so when he died, it was like really a shocker. Like, why didn't you get here sooner? Why didn't you get, why'd you wait so long? Martha was blown away at the fact that he took his time because the message must have got out to him way before. And he gets there late. And of course, her statement was, you know, if you would have been here earlier, my brother would not have perished. So they believed that Jesus had power, but they believed his power was what? Limited to life. Only life scenarios. Once you die, that's it, according to the natural mind. You don't find people in funerals praying for the dead person. In our minds, death is finality. In our minds, once you die, it is over. What are you doing? Pray till they die. Once they die, it's over. But yet Jesus included that in his gambits of miracles. So healing the blind, healing a lame man, multiplying, uh, uh, converting water to wine, all of that was part of this picture that he was trying to give us. John only stayed on drawing the pictures of every single one of those segments of Jesus' ministry. He went from a wedding to raising someone from the dead. One may seem insignificant, oh, just make more wine, keep people happy. But all of the seven had a meaning. Now, of those miracles, two of them were found in the other Gospels. One of them we find in John chapter 6 as well. Both of them, the, the two are actually found in John 6. And one of them is the walking on water. Walking on water is not just found in John, it's also found in Matthew. It seems like John did not want to mention a portion of that story. So John doesn't talk about Peter walking on water. For whatever reason, John goes, oh, I forgot that one. Why? Because he didn't walk on water. Peter did. And so John does not mention, he talks about the walking on water, he talks about the storm and how Jesus walked on the water, but he leaves out Peter. But in Matthew, you find that Peter is mentioned. Why? Because that walking on water for Matthew and for the rest of the disciples was important. You know, it wasn't Jesus. It was one of us. But we, are, we find out later on in the book of John the rivalry between Peter and John. Right down to when Jesus resurrected, they're running to the tomb, and he had to say, the older one, which is Peter, got there later. <laughs> I got there first. It was this mentality of, I am the closest to. And whenever he referred to himself, he would always say, in third person, the one that Jesus loved. A little bit about John. Because the one that Jesus, the one who laid his, his head on his chest. So that's John. So I'll give you a little bit about that. But the way I'm going to focus on today is going to be in the area of the five, five bread and two fish the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 found in John chapter 6 
is the only, only miracle found in all four Gospels. Matthew has it, Matthew 17. Each one of them has those. I think Luke 9 is one other one, if I'm not mistaken. Bottom, nine, bottom line is, in Matthew, from Matthew to John, you find the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, we know it's only 5,000 men. So if you include the, the women and the children, you got about 22,000 people. Because just do the math. So each family is about three, three to four, four kids. And you have the, 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 the wives, the women there. You know, the wives are going to, the women are going to be double the amount, right? Or somewhere in that ballpark, right? So you, you do the math, you'll find out real fast that there were a lot more people there. And this miracle requires us to be able to understand how God operates in the New Testament. And we're going to see the, the falsification of things in the Old Testament. Propaganda is the game plan of the enemy. During World War II, uh, there was something that took place before all the concentration camps, camps took place. They had leaflets on planes, tossing them down so that the general populace, remember, they didn't have Facebook back then. So that was their Facebook. That was a notification. All right? They would have these leaflets come down. That was a propaganda to make it seem as if the Jewish people were abstract or abnormal. They would have pictures of the Jewish people with, you know, uh, certain features being bigger than others, making them look subhuman. And so they generalized it and made a whole country come against a people. Think about that for a minute. A whole country coming against a people. You're talking about people that would say, we're decent. Decent in their homes, everything in order. So this is how you know. You got to be careful. Even people who look like everything is decent, what they speak about at the table could be poison even though their food is clean. Exchange. All of a sudden now, you know, them people, those people, them. That changes the narrative. What's happening, man? That changes the narrative. And so I need you to know that in this group of people that were being fed, is that me? Yeah, it is. Whoops. Yeah, I have the uh, wire here being pulled. I'm good. I'm good. All right, so one of the things that I want you to take a look at is this, these, these 12 disciples who are given a task. There are two things that are happening. When we gather this way, my desire is not just to look for the followers, but to look for those who want to be discipled. Followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, they're two separate entities, right? Those who follow Christ will follow him for the miracles, signs, and wonders. Those who are discipled by Christ will allow him to work those miracles, signs, and wonders within them. Where then now, the goal is going to be, I'm going to go out there and make a difference in the world. And be a part of holding the basket instead of looking in the basket and using what's in the basket to eat. Right? Because the truth is, these disciples were given a task to feed the multitudes. And if you talk about 
um, setting things up in management, in a, in a management form, Jesus told them to put them in groups of 50 and 100. Why? Because it's easier to count that way. Separate them in groups of 50 and 100. And in doing so, the distribution was going to be more organized. That's called logistics, guys. Jesus understood logistics. He knew how important it was to have everything in a certain order. But it also comes down to the trust factor. You're giving 12 men the access to these baskets to feed the multitudes effectively without taking any for themselves. Not taking anything for themselves is a big deal, guys. If God trusts you with the baskets to feed others, now you're moving as a disciple and not just a follower of Christ. What, are you a follower of Christ? Amen. But I'm also a disciple. I follow him. But I understand the importance of following his statutes, not just him. Not just looking for his, his footprints on the, on, the, on the ground, but also being a part of leading others to that. Taking them to a place where they understand what it means to be at the feet of Jesus and not so much just saying, oh, here I am, I know Jesus. You know Jesus how? What are you doing to demonstrate that you know Jesus? What are your transactions? So you look at that story and you find out that God is always going to take care of those who are following. People are hungry. We were hungry a little while ago. That's why we ravaged whatever food was in there. Did everybody enjoy the food? Because where there's food, people are happy. I won't look at anybody in particular, I promise. But I know people that they, boy, they, they, food is like, like, <laughs> like a newfound love. Heart starts palpitating. It's like, whoa, 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 look at you. You know, that's, that's a whole lot of us in here. That food that sustains us, Jesus knows that we are in need of food. So what does he do? He, he get, gathers people because he knows they need to get the word, right, the daily bread. But he understands that daily bread is not just going to be what they get in their soul. People are going to need to eat food. Because what happens when you're, when you're hungry and you're in front of a whole lot of people? Are you, or, or let me put it this way. What happens when you're hungry and you're in school? You, you just, you're listening to the noise down here. You're not listening to the teacher. So Jesus understood that and said, let me do something here. One of the miracles that actually put, put the perspective of just the word, now it's the word for the soul and bread for the body. The child who came with his lunch, it was his lunch, five bread and two fish. So that lets me know that God still requires a seed, something small. He still requires something. Because he could have done it out of nowhere. Just let it come down and that's it. But Jesus said, no, here's what I'm going to do. I need a narrative where this child comes with the food that was for him, his nutrition, that was thought about for him. That his mother organized for him, maybe for the whole entire day. And all of a sudden, those five bread and two fish started to appear in the baskets. 
12 baskets overflowing. What does God look for? Individuals who are willing to not look in the basket, who are just willing to give. That we would desire to see people blessed more than ourselves. Because when you do that, he can trust you with not just the little, but with the big. And if he can trust you with the big things, that means that now, now he says, I got to sustain you because you become a machine that blesses others. You're not catching that. If he can trust you, one individual, to bless hundreds, then he has to keep you well oiled. Because you become his hand on earth. You become his decision maker on earth. You become a Joseph in a barren land. You become the one to store up. And then you are, you're able to tell the people, I know a place called Goshen. I'm going to take you here. And I'm going to bless you. All right. So what happens when you are sustained? What happens when you come out to, to, to studies like this? God will sustain you. He'll give you what you need. And simultaneously... He'll make sure you have overflow afterwards. So what was left over, guys? How many? Twelve baskets were left over. Why were there twelve baskets? Because there were twelve disciples, twelve apostles. Twelve apostles, twelve baskets, so that all of them could have more than enough because you did my work. You did what I called you to do. I recompense. I am no one can outdo Jesus. So you can do, and he'll say, I'm compensating you for, because he wants to make sure that whatever it is you do, he's able to say, my story's in that. My story is in the fact that they did what they did, so I got to sustain them. Does that make sense? All right, let's continue. So we look at that story, and then we we take a little twist, right? And we go back to the Old Testament. We go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, let's go to verse 1. And I want to show you how this correlates. If God is a sustainer of us in John 6, which by the way, in John 6, we find there's, there's a little part in John 6. I'm trying to go exactly like I did the first, the first service. John 6 says, that they turned away from him in John 6, 66, because he said, eat my, drink my blood and eat my flesh. And when you don't understand revelatory truth, you take things literally. A literary reader, a person who's, who's constantly looking at literary or literary, a literary genre or things that are exact and precise will never see the spiritual aspect of things. Because everything has to be exactly the way it's humanized to be. Historically, historically, we know that, Je- that Genesis and John are thousands of years apart. Let me just read to you something I wrote down here. Genesis is rooted. Genesis is rooted in ancient Near Eastern culture and reflects the worldview and beliefs of its time. It provides a foundation for understanding the Hebrew Bible or the, the worldview, right? The Hebrew perspective um, and the origins of Israel. The Gospel of John, on the other hand, 
It's situated in the first century A.D., capturing the life and ministry of Jesus within the socio-historical context of Roman-occupied Judea. In other words, Romans were the ones dominating at the time in the book of John. But in Genesis, we're talking about a whole new beginning. Everything was just starting off. And there were four aspects that we need to pay attention to that we find in Genesis chapter 4. One of the things that really shocked me about Genesis 4, and people don't, don't really pay attention to it, is who are these people that Cain is afraid of? So if we can put it up, put it up Genesis chapter 4 said, now Adam has sexual relationships with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. So every time somebody is born, Eve makes a statement. Catch that. It's going to be important that you catch that. Eve makes a statement every time she has a child. The next statement she makes, keep going. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd. Uh, when Cain cultivated the ground, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. I don't want to get into the whole Cain and Abel thing. We already know. Cain kills Abel. Abel was the one who was given the gifts accordingly to God. Cain wasn't. Cain got jealous. Cain kills Abel. The blood cries out. God says, what you did, you know, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? But on earth, there was Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. Four human beings according to what many have thought. But now we got to pay attention to that. Is it possible if we can go down to, let me just go, go there with you. If we can go down to the part after he kills his brother and God then approaches him. Look what it says. Verse 13. No, let's, do, let's go 10. But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out for me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. That is his punishment. He goes, Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from our presence, from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. Who in the world is anyone? Is that Adam and Eve? Is he afraid of his mother and his father? Are they the ones that are going to kill him? No, it can't be. But what we do find is that there's, there must be something else or someone else or other people created. Because even afterwards, something else takes place. Jesus, the father says, no, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. If a person's heart is not changed and you give them that much power, they become untouchable, yes? 
if I have that much power now and my heart is still bad because he wasn't sad at the fact that he killed his brother. He was sad at the fact that he was what? That he was caught. That was his issue. So now, guess what, guys? You'll see the mark, right? The mark means you can't touch me. And because you can't touch me, I'm, I am now able to do whatever I want. Y'all know that, right? Y'all know I can come in here, and if I want to right now, uh, choose that girl right there, make her my wife. You, come here. You're my wife. Now, now what are you going to do? For those who thought that Cain married his sister, that is incorrect. He did not marry his sister because there were people already in the land. Now, watch this. If that's the case, then who did he marry? For that, we got to go back. We got to go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, 26 says that God created them. Let's go to 126. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created who? Them. And who are them? He created male and female. It's the same way he created all the other days. He created them on the sixth day. On the fifth day, he created, he didn't create the male fish first and then said, you know what, we'll just wait till you have an eating experience. Then we'll take out a, 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 a fin and make the female. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? He didn't say, when he said that, oh, there's going to be a male bird first and then when, we, when, we, you know, when the time comes, we'll put him to sleep. And then we'll pull out a female bird from his wings. The truth is that the same way he created all the other animals was the same way he created them. Male and female, he created them. So now we have male and female together created on the earth. And Adam is removed from the general populace, taken out of this area and placed into a place called Eden. To do what? To do what? To be a caretaker. To be a steward over a place that was miraculous. He was the ambassador of humanity. He was given the authority to be the one to represent humanity to God. So anything that would happen with him or to him or by him, was now a reflection of humanity. You're with me so far. So then, if that's the case, which by the way, the proof is in the pudding. Animals were created first, and then man, as we can see here. Whenever you see then God, that means afterwards God did. So the animals were already created in Genesis chapter 1. Then man. In Genesis chapter 2, Adam is the only one in the Garden of Eden. And then the animals came out of the ground. Then God created the animals to do what? What was, what was the first purpose? Let's go there. 
Let's go there. Let's go to uh, verse chapter 2. And we're going to go to verse 18. 2.18. Look what it says. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. We got that one right, right? It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who was just right for him. Now, you would say after that he created the woman, right? If God said, I'm going to make a helper who's just right for him, then it would be the woman. Yes? Now, whenever you see so, that means it's the solution of what, what took place. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. Still no woman yet. That was the game plan, to give him a bunch of animals. Why? Because he was a steward. But he, he didn't make him the way he made those outside of Eden. This creation was going to be different. In the first one, it was male and female. He created both of them. So both the male and the female had no belly buttons. Because they didn't come from a woman. Both the male and the female. Does that make sense? He takes them out. And he creates them, and they multiply, and they multiply. Then on this side of the fence with Adam being pulled out, Adam is by himself first. Then he's with animals. Right? He's with a bunch of animals, and it's still not good enough. Now, look what it says. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord caused Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. What's deep sleep, guys? Death. Jesus was in the deep sleep when he, was, when, he was, when he died. That's deep sleep. Not sleep, deep sleep. Because he was going to be resurrected again. The resurrection. See, for God, for God, death is not death. For us, death is the end all. For God, you're just sleeping. So... He puts him to sleep. The Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. So he did what, guys? What did he do, what did he do to, him, to Adam? Surgery. That's a surgery. That's a surgeon's approach to things. Open up, take out, and close up again. He closed them up, and then from the rib is where he found the DNA necessary to make a woman that was for him. Not like the first one in Genesis 1 where they were created, male and female, work it, multiply. But here, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to make a woman from the inside of the man. I'm going to bring forth life out of life. And I'm not going to get into all the, the, the stuff we spoke about before. But just know that that's the combination or that's the actual transaction. Once that happens, now we can go back. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis 4, let's go to 4.1. No, not 4.1. Let's go to 4.17. 4.17. Look what it says. Cain had sexual relations with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. 
Then Cain founded a city which he named Enoch after his son. What did he found? A city. By the way, founding a city is not populating a city. Founding a city is that you named it that, you had a group of people there that, because you can't call it a city unless you have a lot of people. Outside of that, it's a town or a village, right, or a home. But it's a city. That means there's transaction going on. That means there's buying and selling. All the things you can imagine that's going on in the city. And you can see that there's the beginnings of, through Enoch, under the, under the bloodline of Enoch, who's the son of Cain. And again, I always say this, this is not to be confused with Enoch of Genesis chapter 5, the one that walked with God and disappeared. Not the same Enoch. All right? So now, when this happens, look at this. Now we're going to go into the breakdown. The four areas in which the enemy has used against humanity. We're going to find it through the bloodline of Cain. And there are those who have stories about who Cain's real father was. Cain's real father was Adam. Don't let anybody confuse you on that because the word doesn't say anything otherwise. But Cain's bloodline was the bloodline that was infiltrated by the enemy. And in that infiltration, look what happens. Enoch had a son named Irad. There we go. Irad became the father of Mahujael. Mahujael became the father of Methushel. Methushel became the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women. What did Lamech do? Married two women. What does that do? What did it introduce? All right, so Adam and Eve no longer one and one. It was now Adam and other two, you know, just the whole flow, right? Because now we see the introduction where Lamech, by the way, this is not to be confused with Lamech in Genesis 5, who was Noah's father. Two different Lamechs. I got to say that because people get it confused. It's not saying, yeah, that's Noah's father. No, it's not. This Lamech is not Noah's father. There's another Lamech who is Noah's father that's found in Genesis chapter 5, who lived to be 777 years. All right. This Lamech married two women. One's name was Ada, and the second was Zila. Ada gave birth to Jabal. So what's the first thing we found? What's the first thing? Somebody said it. Polygamy. That's the first thing we find. So the first thing is polygamy. Number two, Ada gave birth to Jabal, who was the first of those who raised livestock and live in tents. So what do we see here? Economy, transaction, money, currency. Number two, next thing that was introduced. First thing was sex. Second thing was unauthorized sex. And the second thing was money. By the way, there's nothing wrong with money. If somebody tells you there's something wrong with money, they don't know what they're talking about. Love of money is a problem. For the root of all evil is the love of money, not money itself. Next thing that was introduced. His, brother name, his brother's name was uh, Jubal, the first of all who played the harp and flute. So what's introduced now? So you got sex, money, and music. Back to back. And after that, we have the last one. Lamech's other wife, Zillah, gave birth to a son 
Named Tubal Cain, he became an expert in forging tools of bronze and iron. Tubal Cain had a sister named Nama. All right, let's go back. Expert in forging tools of bronze and iron. What do you think comes out of that? Weapons, war. Now we have sex, money, music, and war. Sound familiar? These are the things that get promoted. So the enemy used these things and perverted it. And once things become perverted, it, it changes the dynamics completely. All right? So when we talk about the lineage, now you could say this. Out of this lineage comes others. And we find out the corruption, how fast it moves. Corruption, like darkness, does not require energy. If we turn off the lights in this whole place, you'll find out that the darkness is not being produced by a machine. Darkness is because darkness has no light. Once you remove the light, which requires what? Power, energy. You turn the light off, then there is darkness. So that's why it's easier to be dark. It's easier to be dark than to be light. The previous class I, I wanted to touch on, which I'm not going to do in this class because it, do, it doesn't make sense to do it, but I will tell you this. This is going to lead into this next agenda that has been the agenda to sterilize humanity. Sterility of humanity has been the devil's goal since the very beginning. Trying to find a way to make sure humans think of an ideology or a paradigm that would stop production. His desire is to prove God wrong and stop productivity. And because of that, we find that there's a thing that takes place. And because of that thing that takes place is the reason why a flood had to come. Anybody here, descendant of Adam? Show of hands. How do you know? How do you know? We're going to do Q&A in a minute. How do you know? Because what? The bloodline? The belly button? She said the belly button. You're going to have to explain that one. How do you know that you are of the descendants of Adam? Very good. That's how you know. See, People try to say, because they don't like this theology because they think that what I'm saying is that everyone came from other people as well. I'm still telling you that we all still come from Adam and Eve. I didn't say otherwise. What I'm saying is that when Adam and Eve, their lineage that led to Noah, everyone else was wiped out. The flood killed everyone who's with me so far. So the only lineage that lived on was the lineage of Adam. So we're all descendants of Adam. You could even say it like this because you can really go just, we're all descendants of Noah. Like if you want to just go there because it splits off with Abraham. 
now we can't all, we cannot all say we're for, part of the descendants of Abraham outside of Jesus. Jesus is the reason why we get the promises of Abraham. Outside of that, we have an issue of blood. So that had to be rectified. All right. Q&A. Questions and answers. Anybody have a question? We, I usually have the tables, you know, do their thing, but I'm not going to do that today because I didn't do it earlier. Q&A. Questions. No. So of the seven, two of them are in the book of John. Five are originally to John. Two of the, because talking about the other miracles. Two of them are found in all the other books, except for five that are only found in the book of John. Thank you for the microphone. Any other questions? Let's grab the microphone. There you go. Why? The same way that he extracted Adam from that group and put him in the Garden of Eden. Right. Why didn't he do the same thing for a woman? Extracted a woman and put him there with her. Because <laughs> then it would not have been one flesh. See, the goal was to bring the woman and the man to have the same combination as the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in oneness. To fully come into creating in our image, it had to be man and female coming from the same place. That's why if you read the end of that, this is what it says. Look what he says at the end of the creation of, of Eve. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While That's verse 21. While the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. So woman and female were different. In Genesis 1, it was he created the male and the female. He created them. But in, in Eden, she's called woman, not female. Because she came from the man. And that was the connection. So that's why it was important for that to take place. Questions. Questions. This is where you, this is where you shine, guys. Question? You look like you have a question. I'm kind of loud, right? Actually, we record it. Oh, mm -hmm. oh. know how to like put it in a question I guess um, I'm just thinking about the male and the females you know like were they bad or like you know so you're you're in next week's class but to give you a little a little synopsis the male and the female that were created by God were created to reproduce they were created to populate the, the land so in the population of the land, populating the land, they started to do things the wrong way. 
which is what humans do, right? Especially after Adam and Eve fell. So the sin of Adam and Eve ended up creeping out of Eden into everyone else. So they became worse than Adam and Eve. They introduced sin into the world, and they, because they were ambassadors, as ambassadors of all humanity, they ended up being poisoned. So what happens? Now the sons of man, the ones created by God, started having intercourse with the ones not assigned to them by God. Let me say it again. This, this is part of next week. So you're getting a little snippet of next week. The sons of God started having relations with the daughters of men. And that relation was unauthorized. And just like, what do we talk about? The mule? When a horse and a donkey get together, they form a mule. The mule doesn't have instructions to reproduce. So a male mule and a female mule cannot, they can't, they can't reproduce because they're sterile from birth, because it was unauthorized. When a lion, even though they're all in the feline family, when a lion and a tiger come together, they form a liger. And the liger cannot reproduce. Now, they're huge. They're bigger than the regular lion or tiger. They're big, big, much bigger than them. Just like a mule. A mule is much bigger than the horse and the donkey and stronger. But they cannot reproduce. You can't get a female liger and a male liger to come together to reproduce. Because nothing that's outside of the plan of God, now catch this. When it's outside of the plan of God, it cannot reproduce. Any activity outside of the architecture and genuity of God does not reproduce. You're more than welcome. ¿Cómo, cómo, ¿Cómo podemos eh, mirar How can we see? Eh, lo que estaban haciendo mal los primeros que fueron creados? The ones that were doing wrong, the first that were created. Si el pecado entró en el Edén. That the sin entered in Eden. Mm -hmm. The sin, we, I hope we're interpreting it. The sin entered into Eden first and not outside. It wasn't the other way around. So everything started going haywire when Adam and Eve failed. Not before that. So it's a big deal, right? Because we got to know who, who started this thing. Well, it really starts with this. It starts with the fact that in Ezekiel chapter 28, in Isaiah 14, we find a kicking out of heaven. But the kicking out was more of, I'm sending you to a spot. The very spot that he was sent to, a garden was made around it. For people who try to wonder, why was the snake already, why was the devil in Eden? If Eden was perfect. Because originally, the enemy was supposed to be the model of beauty and the model of 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 God's masterpiece of creation. But then he went south. And so the earth was where he was sent. Him and his ones who, the ones who followed him. 
And when they were sent to earth, the very place, because this is how God does things, to prove his point. Okay, you did that. I'm going to show you now what this is, what's going to happen. Now the very dirt that you landed in, I'm going to use that dirt to make humans, and they're going to worship me better than you could ever have worshipped me. I'm going to create them in that place. Y'all didn't get that. So Eden was a landing spot for the enemy where the enemy was. That's why he was already there. The serpent was already there waiting for the right moment. Why? Because remember, the, the spiritual realm requires possession of the physical realm. They can't just show, they need a physical body to interact. So they used, he used a, a snake, which at that time had arms and legs. And it wasn't until the, the fall that the legs were removed and the arms were removed for the snake, the serpent. We, we good? Okay, so um, first question, because one, one answers the other word in, in a way. So... Um, Cain, right, the continuance of Cain was right, Enoch, which then caused the, which, which was the entry of all those negative things, right? That being They were turned negative. Right, okay. So then if, like you were saying before, when, in, when it's outside of the plan of God, it cannot reproduce. The things that God took away from Cain, why was one of them not um, reproduction? Why, why was he still able to continue? Because he was still within the plan of God. So God has a universal plan. And the plan that's universal is that a male and a female get together and they produce whether you're evil or not. Right. It's like, like rain. When it rains outside, whether you're evil or not, you're going to get rained on. The sun outside doesn't, doesn't go, I'm not going to be sunny for this guy. You're too evil. I'm not going to. The sun is for everyone. So there are things that are universal laws that apply to both good and evil. So if you're a farmer and you are doing the labor of putting seeds in the ground every day and you have an evil heart, guess what, guys? You're still going to get production. You know, will he have it a little harder? Maybe. Who knows, right? Bottom line is that whatever's a universal law, it applies to both the good and the bad. That's why when you give... You're going to receive because it's a universal law. We just can't confuse that because you see the results on some people, the results doesn't really talk about the person's hearts. Oh, they're billionaires, so they must be good. No. That doesn't determine how good they are. That just means that they have fallen in line with the universal laws, and they're being they're producing based on those universal laws. I got uh, I got two questions. The yep. first the first one, um, the sons of God, and that's next week. Okay, I know, but you know when you said they they they. They commingle with the um, daughters of men. With the daughters of men. Well, I didn't say it. Let me read it to you. Well, you said it in the first one, yeah. But it, yeah, it, it says here, uh, da, 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 verse um, five. 
No, I'm sorry, verse 2. Verse two. The sons of God saw the beautiful women, which were the, daughter, were the daughters of men, and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they're only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Okay, my question is, um, just like the, the donkey and the horse and the tiger and, and the, the lion, lion right? Um, they're different species, but the same kind. Is that the case there too? The sons of man and the daughter, I mean, uh, the sons of God and the daughters of, they're different species? That's correct. But the same kind. Correct. Okay. So in other words, they have all the parts, all the parts work. But the parts of the sons of God were, were designed for the daughters of God. The ones who were created, male and female, he created them. And when you break that down, you go outside of that. Now you start to, see, it's not like us, right? You can be with a Chinese woman. I, you know, can be with an with a, with a African uh, man. It doesn't make a difference, right? You're still going to reproduce. Whether they're white, black, it doesn't make a difference. Because the reproduction there is not based on skin, it's based on species. So it wasn't a skin color, it was you're unauthorized to be with that. You were not designed to be with that. I designed you to be with this. Just because you're a fish doesn't mean that all fish are supposed to be with you. Say it again. Correct. That solves it. That solves it right there. And how do I know that to be the case? Because I was once upon a time reading Luke chapter 3. Again, I can't, I don't even want to get into this in this class. But when I read Luke 3, it showed me another name of Adam. It blew my mind. I had to read it a couple times. And I'm reading, I'm going... And Adam, the son of God. Hold on. So Adam is a son of God? It made sense. So who are these other sons of God? They were created just like Adam was created. So that's what made them sons of God. Now, some people want to say that the sons of God are angels. And that's, that's, been the, that's the most popular one. That the angels had body parts and that they could interact with the, in, with the uh, inner parts of humans, right? No, that's not how that works. It doesn't work that way because Jesus made it clear that that doesn't work that way. We will be like angels, neither marrying or, you know, reproductive, any, there's no reproduction. When we die, that's it, it's done. No, that's no need for reproduction. So that means that angels don't what? And they don't, they don't reproduce. Because we would have, right now, do you understand if the devil had access to have a generation of angels that reproduce? Where would we be today? We would have an army. Now, what the devil does have is people who are possessed. Right, 
Right. He, 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 oh, yeah, they're looking at you because you don't have the microphone. I, I had a second question. Yeah, hold your mic. Hold the mic. So based on um, that fact that he can't create, it's limited on his, on his access. Right. So he's only on Father's Day. The only ones who say Happy Father's Day to the devil are liars. You didn't catch. You didn't catch it. John chapter eight says, Jesus said, "You know who your father is. Your father is the devil, because you're a bunch of liars. So the only way the devil can father people is by character, not by genes." So there are many who are saying happy Father's Day to the devil without having to say it today. Okay, my second question uh, was um, what Pastor Anthony was speaking about, you know, the um, Satan in, in heaven. Did, is, that, is that sin? Did sin, was sin infiltrate heaven with what, because of what he did and he got kicked out? So... Let's, de let's define sin. Sin is human opposition to God. Evil is something else. Sin and evil work hand in hand. But not necessarily is a person sinning being evil as well. You can sin and not be evil. However, Satan was evil incarnate. And his opposition to the father was not just drawn. You know, you know when you know the devil is involved? When the traits are exactly the same as when the devil got kicked out. When you see someone who's not happy with, ooh, glory to God. When you see someone who's not happy with just leaving, but they got to leave and, and bring all the angels with them. That stems from an evil heart. Watch this. Now it gets better. Solomon was known to be the wisest man on the earth. And one of his first trials as a judge was to judge two prostitutes who both said, this is my daughter. I mean, this is my baby. You remember that? The one, that baby died. She took the one, the other one and said, that's my baby. Do you know how he was able to determine who was the mother? This is Wisdom. People who don't care about people will rather see everyone die to prove their point. Who's with me so far? Solomon said, all right, solution. Yours, yours, let's cut them in half. You have one side, you have another. Let's see what happens. The real mother really loves and is willing to give up the child and say, no, no, give it this Fine, give it to her. And that's how you're able to determine. In heaven, it was the same thing. Satan didn't care about order and structure. He just wanted to bring disaster. And what did he do? He, he decided to take his portion. And he didn't stop there because even today, his transactions are to do what? To show sterility within humanity. This time, it's not Nephilim. This time it's agenda. And you think it's a coincidence that a rainbow is what's used? Hold on a second. Guys, 
The rainbow is a promise of what? Fertility, continuance. We have to be careful that we don't intermingle. Now, here's the dangerous, here's the reason why this message is so dangerous. Because in the mouth of the wrong person, it will speak of persecution to, to those who are in, the, in that agenda. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about understanding the purpose. I've heard from the pulpit, men and women of God, curse those people straight to hell. And that, just the way I said, those people. As if they're not human. And they don't got, there's some people who have the same kind of issues that they have, just not male and male and female and female. It's the same issue though. Same scenario. So then what are we doing? You remember what I said? Oh, you don't see the podcast. In the podcast, I said, so then we might as well just have like, you know, why not have a group of men, right, get together and, and, and have the, the adultery group and, and make themselves, now, now we have our community. We have our community. Now we have our laws as if that has anything to do with anything else. For people to say, listen, they know how to take care of children as if it's a miracle. Of course they do. They're human with a sexual issue. An identity issue doesn't mean that you're not capable. It just means that you have an issue in that area and you're, there's an agenda that's working on you. And so when in that uh, podcast, you know, my mother got to see it. I, I, I kind of was on both sides of the fence. At least that's what it looked like. Where a minister would look and go, what are you trying to say? I'm saying, I'm saying what is. The church formed, and this one we don't, have to, we don't have to put it up, but the church formed homosexuality. I know it's hard to hear. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me explain myself. Let me explain myself. Homosexuality became an agenda instead of a sin that could be dealt with. Because the church began, began to isolate and segregate and belittle the humanity of the person. Whereas Jesus made it clear when he met with someone who was homosexual. Oh, you didn't know, right? In the Bible, Jesus is confronted by someone who is homosexual. I got five minutes. I see it. Jesus was, he confronted somebody who was a homosexual. Where's that in the Bible? Luke chapter 7, read it. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Luke 7, Luke 7. And you know what? Even though he doesn't say he's homosexual, if you know history, then you'll know what took place. The centurion was, listen, centurions had their, what they called back then, their boy scenarios because they were not allowed to marry so they had their important slaves that they loved the slaves that they loved and because they loved their slaves so much in this case his slave this particular centurion his slave was dying and he knew that Jesus was able to heal and you know what he does he sends his friends out to go find out and they find Jesus, they tell him, listen, this guy here, his, his slave 
is dying and, and he wants to know if you can heal his slave. While Jesus is walking towards his house, that centurion sends his friends to go, mm, tell him he don't have to come to my house. Because in his house, there were a lot of things that he thought Jesus would not be happy with. So he says, just tell him, only say the word and my servant shall be healed. You know what Jesus said? Because he knew his debility. He knew his weakness. Jesus used him as a reference point because the religious spirit is a, is a, is a murderous spirit. Pharisees would have condemned that moment. Yet Jesus still went to heal his, his, his friend, his slave. And he said, I have not found faith like this in all of Israel. Because there was a sickness. He heals the sick. Not based on you being a sinner. Like, Jesus didn't segregate and say, okay, sinner, not sinner. I'll heal you. I won't heal you. It didn't matter if you were a sinner or not, or a sinner, or not a sinner. How do I know this? John 5. He told the man that he just finished healing. He just healed him. He said, sin no more or something worse will happen to you. That means that Jesus didn't look to see, okay, I can only heal you because you're a good person. Jesus healed the bad, the good, the ugly. But with what purpose? So that the Holy Spirit can heal us from the inside. So we don't try to look the role from the external, but be that inside. You know, it was good for me to be raised up Pentecostal in a church because I got to see that those who had the biggest Bible had the biggest issue sometimes. Yep, yep. The last, the best thing my mother could have done is allow me to go and stay some people's houses. Just she never let me stay sleeping there, but she allowed me to go visit. And when I went to go visit some of these homes, I said, "That's ooh, ooh, ooh. look at him." To his wife, bah, 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 bah. to his children, bah, bah, bah. I said. But in church, and I said, look at that, because the healing is inside and not external. And when we learn this truth, then we can start inviting homosexuals here. When the church is okay and is able to heal the broken, then we're not caught up with all this, oh my, no, no homosexuals in my church. That's like... That's like a triage, a hospital saying, yeah, we don't want anybody with a head injury in the, in, the, in, the, in the hospital. You have a head injury, you can't come in. Can you imagine if, if, if hospitals would be able to cherry pick? Pick who they want to heal? Five minutes passed, and I'm definitely done. 33 seconds. Guys, I'm hoping today was more than just Genesis and John. I hope there was an application here that you can apply because there is a time. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Nephilim Project. And the Nephilim Project is still today. It's going on right now. And if we're not careful, the ones that they're trying to indoctrinate are our children. Did you see what happened in Washington, D.C. just recently? Oh, my God. 
our wonderful president of the United States of America decided that he wanted to celebrate um, Pride Month, and he allowed, what was it, transgender to, to, to be up there. You know, they did all types of atrocities, but they removed, they went topless. They went topless, and they said it was okay, and they can't be charged because it was once a chest of a man. So it's okay, even though now it looks like a woman. And it was on the air, publicly. What are we, what are we doing? What are we doing? As, and the church sits back and just watches, and then fights each other. That's what the church does. We're, you're this, you're that, and not looking at what's really going on. The rainbow is supposed to be okay. Like, I'm not mad at a rainbow. The rainbow is supposed to be a reminder. God said, let it be a reminder to let us know about what's to come, about my promise to never do what I did again. But it's been altered. And our children need to be the ones to be safeguarded from all of this. Our children who pay attention. These little kids have been watching me, paying attention. Paying attention to every single word I'm saying. You know why? Because children are able to capture. And unfortunately, TV has been stronger in cultivating our children. Television has been stronger in cultivating our children. You're getting it in your ear? It's so important that we teach our children how to reject bad information. Because if not, they'll be children will be influenced to do the same thing. And then they'll justify it and think that it's okay because I got to find my identity in that. No one wants to talk about it because it's so taboo. Don't talk about that. You, you reject everybody. No, we got to speak about this thing. We're losing our children to homosexuality. Nobody wants to talk about it. Oh, but don't treat me different. No, it's not about treating you different. I'm going to treat that spirit different. And I'm going to love on you. But that spirit has to go because that's what it is. And it didn't start now. It started 6,000 years ago. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and pray.